Rhythm, a crazy podcast about DC, with your host E-Rock and PD, when we speak up, get your geeks up, cause you know you about to get geeked up, so sit back, relax, and get comfy, lose your mind like Solomon Grundy, and listen to a show that won't be forgotten, coming straight out of Gotham. And hello, everybody out in the snow. Welcome to another episode of Straight Outta Gotham, episode 63. I got nothing for you this week. We are a fandom pop culture podcast and a proud member of the Batman Podcast Network, hosted by Batman on Film, the Dad Gum Original. Make sure you check out all the other great shows on the network by heading on over to batmanonfilm.com, clicking that podcast tab, Gotham Outsiders, Batman Book Club, ELTD, Straight Outta Gotham, Italians for Spidey, uh, the Rick Shoe Satellite Show, hosted by Ryan Haas. All that good stuff is over there. I am Peter Arvera. I am a senior contributor from Batman on film. I'm from the other side of the Hudson River. Uh, today we're recording on January 29th, 2022. We just got out of the sh- snow. We've just been snow blowing. And as always, we have a great show for you today. But before I get into the good stuff, I'd like to remind you, all of our faithful listeners, if you take the time to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and we read your review on air, you win a Straight Outta Gotham prize pack. Uh, lots of great stuff from action figures to comic books to graphic novels. Uh, it, it covers it all. So you don't know what you're going to get. It's a surprise. But you got to be in it to win it. Now, let me introduce you to my partner in crime, the man who on this date won the 1981 Middle Island Welterweight Polar Bear Wrestling Championship. A fellow Batman on film contributor, ladies and gentlemen, the champion of Long Island, Mr. Eric Holden. Dude, I was four years old. You were a big boy. <laughs> oh, man. So it was obviously a baby polar bear. I, it's still an wrestling. impressive feat. I don't care what you say. Yes. You, you um, fought a polar bear. I did. I did. Uh, they're much easier to handle when they're that young. So it was very, very much a fun time. I had no a bunch claws. of pictures of it, but and an old home movie of it too. The old ones without the the um, the sound. Oh, was it on? Was it like on one of those? Um, have, yeah. What was it called? Camcorders where you just put the VCR tape in, then you could take it out and put it in the VCR. No, this is pre VCR. This is actual tape. Oh, look at you! Yes. So. Yeah, so this was one of those kind of home movie old kind of things. Uh, Silent um, picture. Yeah, really. It is. It technically is a silent picture. But (laughs) yeah, that was so much. uh, You bring back some really old memories there. Wow. Well, that that kind of set up my childhood in a lot of ways. It made you very Uh, aggressive and antagonistic. Yeah, it made me. (laughs) As I've gotten older, I've kind of lost some of this, which pisses me off a little bit. But when Uh, I was younger. Not according to Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) That is a very good point. But um, I was much more aggressive when I was younger. Um, so you are yeah. so full of it right now. <laughs> I'm dead serious. I really was more a more aggressive guy, more kid, than I am as an adult. <laughs> I, I've softened a little as as I've gotten older. Um, or I shouldn't say that. It just takes me longer now to get there. Um, I guess that's I got the best you there way. Very easily. So <laughs> this is all ball that ball. Guys, don't listen to Pete. I'm completely honest right now. Totally telling the truth. Uh, <laughs> really quickly, we said episode number sixty-three, so there is a significance of this number. Um, it's considered Ooh, an angel number, and it has two. The combination of the number, the six, is brings good financial attributes, job success, good relations with family and friends, dignity and courage. And the three signifies progress, success, unselfishness, and all that. So 
hopefully some of that energy transfers to you guys through this show, seeing that it's the 63rd episode of Australia of Gotham. You guys could take that. You know, I feel like that's a horoscope. Right? I feel like, yeah. I was trying to think. I'm like, what could, What does 63 signify? But yes, it's considered an angel number. I was so. looking up jet stuff. I was trying to make it, and it didn't. It didn't. It didn't translate. And I was like, "All right." So. I think sixty three was the first year they were actually called the Jets. I think in sixty two they were the Titans. I could they be wrong. were the Titans, but I don't think. I think that name change was a couple years. Might have been sixty five. Uh, let me see. I'm going to check on that. I looked it up on Wikipedia real quickly. Uh, sixty three Jet season. Let's see. Yeah, at 62, they were the Titans. So there, you there you go. go. So there we go. So the beginning of the team name that I've has plagued my life <laughs> started in 1963. At least they don't play in the polo grounds anymore. Uh, well, nobody <laughs> does. I wish, I wish the polo grounds – I wish the Giants and the Dodgers <laughs> still around. Nobody does because now it's yeah. an apartment building, I think, or something like that. Uh, something Which, crazy. It's funny because I was looking that up and I was like, so the Jets – have played across the river from the Giants as well. It's it's just funny, like you know, Manhattan and the Bronx is just separated by the river. So yeah, and know, then the they, played and they played yeah. in They played at Jay Stadium too. So Polo Grounds and Yankee Stadium were literally next door to each other. That would have been amazing. Like that's the, oh god, I know. Damn you, California, Justin, you suck. <laughs> well, it wasn't their fault. <laughs> it's his. I'm going to New York Justin. City's fault. They didn't want to work with Ricky to give him a. They didn't want to build the dome for the Dodgers. For Ebbets Field and then uh, the Robert Moses. It's his fault. He sucks too. Yeah, that's I blame true. Justin and Robert Moses. He does. <laughs> Although we wouldn't have all these fine roads we have without Robert Moses. So, <laughs> I, <laughs> if you if you live in the tri, I don't even know if it's a tri-state area thing. I can't even claim that. If you if you spend time in New York and you're a New Yorker and you know about Robert Moses, you get what we're talking about. Yeah, I mean uh, he's. He Long Island, especially, he's got a park name, a state park named after him here. He has a causeway named after him here. He's a he big a deal. Horrible person though, like he yeah, put, he wasn't a good dude. He wasn't he, a good dude. He deliberately put steps in parks for uh, mothers and carriages and everything because he didn't. He he did things intentionally because he was an sob. So. Yes, I'm waiting for his name to be taken off things. It hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened yet. But I am waiting for that because it seems like that's the way we're going with things. So I'm waiting for that, but we'll see what happens there. So, uh, yeah, as Pete was talking about, we are getting – we are in the midst of a blizzard here in the Northeast. Uh, You know, I I was telling Pete before we got on, blizzards are weird because the snow blows all over the place. So there are certain parts of – the yard that I have that look like no snow at all, and then you look like to the left, and there's just this huge snow drift. Um, could be three or four feet. Um, so you know, it's just a really cool. Uh, it's cool. I like when it first snows, at least like it's got that fresh feeling in the air. It looks nice until all the dirt and stuff from <laughs> when you're trying to clean it up or putting salt down, and it gets dirty and slushy. That's when it gets mm-hmm. all messy and stuff. But I don't mind shoveling the snow. I, I actually like taking the dog out in the snow. She really likes it. She has a good time. So it's kind of fun watching her hop in and out of the snow and everything and make uh, lemonade. But uh, you know, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's interesting. Yes. Yeah, so that was a couple of things for our non-snow knowing listeners don't ever eat yellow snow that's one of the rules you learn as a kid um what are the other ones oh make sure if you have uh the snow that we have now is kind of light fluffy stuff it doesn't pack well so you can't really make anything 
um, mm-hmm. with the kind of snow that we have now. So um, this is kind of a boring snowstorm. And I feel bad because my I have nieces and nephews who are – my nephew Jake is 10 and um, his sister's 12. And they have – you know, they're still at that age where, oh, it's snowing. Let's go out and play. And, mm-hmm. and uh, this kind of snow is not really conducive to that. So – no snowmen today, kids. No, nah, you're not going to be able to make snow, um, snowmen today. But you can do snow angels. Yeah, that's true. It's always these kinds of days are always cool though, because you kind of just get to relax. Maybe go out, shovel a little bit, come in, drink hot chocolate or coffee or whatever kind of warm. Have some soup. It's all like, oh, kind of that. all that winter stuff uh, that you do in this these kinds of days. So, and we have to. It's been cold this winter, but we haven't had a lot of snow. So. The fact that we're getting this is, is kind of interesting. I got some pea soup left over in the fridge uh, made from a ham bone and stuff. So I might yes. get that. Yes. You have the ham bone. You got to make soup. Yeah. There's nothing better than just uh, getting a big old ham bone, putting it in your pea soup. Yep. Gives it that extra flavor. It's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. I'm not a huge pea soup guy, but really, you know, pea soup. I love pea. I love all kinds of soup. I can eat soup all day. I eat it more now than I did when I was younger. Um, it, it always looked like diarrhea or like baby diarrhea or, um, oh god, you know, or, or baby vomit because it's that green pea color that's kind of brownish. Uh, so that kind of turned me off. Like peas. What? <laughs> I thought it looked like peas. Yeah, you but it out. does, but it kind of has a brown tinge to it. Like it's not. I don't know what soup you're making. What pea soup? I'd have to see your pea. Let me. You have to send me a picture of a pea I'll soup. I'll send it to you when we're done. I'll, I'll be able to see. There's no what brown like. in my pea soup. <laughs> Did you burn it? No, no, no. I could. You know what? It could be from the ham. Like if you put actual ha- bits of ham in it, maybe that burns off and makes it look different. I don't know. I always just thought it wasn't like green. It's kind of like a brownish green. I don't know. Whatever. That's me. Um, maybe okay. maybe there were some lentils mixed in with some of the split peas that I had. I'd be down with lentils. I like it lentils. a different color. I don't know. But uh, all right, guys. So we got all that. That's this. 10 minutes on food and bullshit. Yeah. So now that we've gotten through our, our current situation and – uh, my my feats my flight so fancy that I've I've been known for. Let's get into the good stuff. So uh, we were going to discuss this last week, but Justin Kowalski, our great guest and friend, hadn't seen Scream, so we couldn't. So we're going to jump into Scream our review of Scream Five today. And uh, I again I saw it before Pete did, so I had to, I kind of had to keep very very quiet. I didn't want to because there is there's a lot of obviously you know with Scream you could always be spoilerish, so we are going to talk about everything that happened. So if you guys you know don't want to be spoiled, haven't seen it yet, put us you know fast forward this a little bit, probably like five minutes, and then pick us up then, and you can listen to the rest mm-hmm. of the show. So uh, Pete, go ahead. I'll let you run with this. What did you think? Uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was really good. I I, I do think the. Uh the the new cast of characters was slightly underdeveloped but i think you when you're juggling the legacy characters that's harder to do um because i think this movie was trying i think this movie was almost a passing of the torch it felt like um it did feel very similar to scream 4 i feel like scream 4 really i i've given a lot of credit to stranger things for starting this nostalgia movement but scream 4 i think really kicked it off and uh i think people have been retroactively going back and looking at scream 4 and realizing what scream does is just ahead of the times and it kind of you know kind of creates a little bit of a movement so to speak but i i did enjoy this movie i i again it was great seeing nev 
have come back uh, again. Uh, I, I, I love her. I love seeing Courtney Cox as Gail Weathers and, of course, Dewey. Um, I was surprised Dewey bit the bullet in this one. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was interesting because he he kind of went back and did, uh, as Scream does, they kind of point out like, you know, short and faux pas about horror movies and everything. And Dewey committed one. He went back yep. to the killer by himself. And then you're kind of like, okay, this is, and then it kind of makes sense. And I thought, um, I thought they did a great job of making fun of Zaddies and uh, Star Wars fans. I thought that was great. And it's funny because seeing Zaddies particularly uh, praise the movie a lot. I was like, you guys just didn't get it because they literally took a shot at you. Uh, that was great. So I thought that was wonderful because we've all been there. And uh, shout out to Ryan Johnson. I'm sure he enjoyed that as well. Um, it was cool. I got a few gripes with it. You know, I felt like uh, I feel like the movie happens in real time. And uh, Deputy Judy, she goes from being, I believe, a single woman in Scream 4 to having like a 16-year-old kid in 10 years. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's a little weird. Um, I love I love the sister dynamic between Tara and Sam. I thought Sam was great. Um, I thought Tara was great, really, especially in that wheelchair scene. I thought that was phenomenal. I love Sam uh, in general. I thought the Billy Loomis stuff was a little weird. It didn't bother me in the movie, but I, for the first time, it felt like Screen was jumping the shark, like that supernatural element almost. Like I know right. it's, he's not a ghost, he's a hallucination, but it still seems like it's a little too much. But I enjoyed the fact that she was Billy's uh, illegitimate daughter. Um, also, weird things like the Meeks' father, Deputy Judy's husband, and Tara and Sam's mother all just like not appearing in the movie was very weird. Yep. Um, you know, basically cause like, well, we don't know anything about deputy Judy and her son really. And then, well, now she's the sheriff. And then, well, where's, where is their father? Like they don't mention it at all. Like I obviously I'm, I'm a, I'm a kid of a single parent. So like I get it, but like, I feel like it should have been mentioned as well as Randy's, uh, you know, brother-in-law, like, where is this guy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Tara and Sam's mom, like she's on business in London. But if you call me and tell me my kids almost in an attempted murder caper, I'm flying home. So there, were certain things that didn't work but overall like the nostalgia really got to me i thought i thought when it was actually being screamed it was really good um so like i I don't want to say i don't want it to seem like i didn't like the movie but like i'm not a huge fan of two and three and i rank this above those so i would probably do it like scream scream four scream five and then scream three and two so but i do really like this movie like don't take it away i'm very happy with it I can't wait to see it. I thought I'm very looking forward to seeing uh, Mindy Meeks. I thought she was absolutely brilliant in the movie, as was her brother. They were cool. Uh, the kills were good. I like how they hark back to the original. Um, I just say wait like seven years before Scream 6 because I need society to do a bunch of stupid things so that Scream can make fun of them for it. And that's all I'm saying. Like, don't jump the gun. I know Scream 2 came out a year after Scream, but I think we need some time to breathe and do dumb stuff so we can be made fun of. So you said a mouthful there, uh, but I do. I had mentioned last week on the show the scene in the living room when all of them are trying to figure out who the killer is, and I thought that, or discussing who the killer might be, and that was my favorite scene in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, Great because stuff. it was Randy's niece and nephew, and niece yeah. specifically, who was the one going through it. Oh, she was fantastic, right? talking about the recall and and what it meant and it was that was very much a scream moment watching that you're like okay 
every film like um, Randy did that in Scream Two with Dewey, right? They were mm-hmm. sitting at the mm-hmm. at the college having some ice cream for Baskin Robbins. They're sitting there talking, and then he does that there, and they're going. Through. So that I thought that part was excellent. It's my favorite scene in the movie. Um, yeah, I thought the cast, the new cast, was very good. You're right, slightly underdeveloped. We really only learn a little bit about Sam, right? That's the main. I'm blanking. Yeah, we learned a lot about Sam and Tara, and yeah, you know, even the Meeks kids. Like, you know, you kind of re- you're relying on Randy's history to kind of like, oh, they're re- they really are Randy's niece and nephew. Well, yeah, you, you know? see his sister, you see their mother. Yeah, uh, she, first time since Scream Three, I believe. Yeah, she finally makes a, an appear another appearance, which was cool. So you see her. Um, I do agree. I mean, the good the thing about Scream is always it's always turning something that's going on in society and putting it like that's front in your face, right? Like you said, the fandom, they're kind of attacking fandom in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, on a whole, you brought up two specific ones, which are probably the two loudest that we've had recently. So I would definitely agree that those two, but it's really fandom as a whole uh, that they're kind of attacking with it. And um, I guess we don't, we, I guess, well, do you want to say who the killers are? Because one of them we got a lot of, and the other one, not so much. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a spoiler review. It's fine. Right. So um, Jack Wade's character winds up being Ghostface along with, I forget her name. What was the- Amber. Amber, right. Who was who happened to be the best friend of, oh, shit. <laughs> Tara. Tara, yeah. Amber and Tara, th- that was her best friend. And she was, ki- it was kind of very obvious to me in the beginning that she was weird and something was up with her. Like I, I kind of pegged her early mm-hmm. on as being one, being a, the killer. But the Jack Quake character really kind of threw me. I was not expecting that, even though. <laughs> Dewey called it in his, yes. in his trailer. Yeah. Yes, that does happen. But, um, yeah, it was. I didn't. I didn't see that one right away until I want to say about halfway through. Maybe I was like, "All right, I think it's these two. So, um, what about you, Pete? With the killer angle, did you peg them early? Did you have an idea? Did you not know? I had no idea. Um, okay. Also, I mean, this is Ryan Lauer. He 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 pointed this out to me. The fact that there's such a height difference between the two killers. Is not really like is yeah. is Amber wearing like I don't know platform shoes when she's killing people? I, I don't know. know. That's a fair it's point. Um, I thought I thought the ho- hospital scene with uh, between Amber and uh, Netflix was really good. You know, just kind of creating that like oh they she she's clearly is like just like I don't trust this guy, and uh, it kind of plays in with the whole like living room scene that you mentioned at the meat right. house. So I thought that I thought the deception was pretty good in this movie. Um, I was into it. I and I mean, harking back to Stu's house was just. I, I think that was an excellent choice. You know, Amber's house. Amber's family bought the house, and she's such a hardcore fan. And like they're and how they pegged everything to going back to like family members and extended family and all this stuff. Like there was connections to all these original murders. Um, I thought it was really cool. So I give them a lot of credit for that. I, there, there's I have small gripes, but like I can't. The, the movie overall is really good. I think it's very entertaining. And, you know, uh, my buddy Luca pointed this out, and I think it's very true. How many horror franchises get to a fifth film, and the fifth film's really good? I know. You know, you're right. Halloween 5's not good. Jason 5's not good. What is Freddy 5? I don't know. You know I'm sure Texas Chainsaw Massacre has a fifth movie. I, you don't remember them, right? I think this is going to go yeah, down. Five is Freddy's Dead, and that's one of that's probably the worst one. So Yeah. So, yeah. like, when you get to five, there's a yeah. huge uh, drop-off here. And, uh, you know, the fact that Scream has been able to hold this up for so long, so many sequels, is, is a 
real testament to uh, just the franchise, the acting, the writing, and everyone involved. Like, it's 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 wonderfully crafted, and I, I appreciate. I would be totally fine with getting one screen movie every ten years, to be honest. Like I said earlier, to let society build up and do things that can be parodied is, uh, is <laughs> well. Is you'd have to eventually, obviously, move away from the legacy characters if you were doing that. Which I think this movie really did. Like I know but, Screen Four kind of did this already, but like I said, this felt more of a passing of the torch than Scream 4. Well, Nev Campbell's not in it much. That's what I said on my first, when I did my mini review on on the Facebook page after the film, the first saw the film, I said that right away. The legacy characters, Dewey is probably the one that's in it the most. Um, but the other two, they don't have a huge yeah. role in this movie. Uh, so until the very end, and even then, it's like, you know, it's very much it, it, the end. Definitely, obviously, because of where they are, harkens back to the end of Scream. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very, very connected uh, scene in a lot of ways. If you watch, I had to go. I watched Scream after I watched this one again and before it, just to kind of. Well, there's the, a lot of the, parallels, like yeah, uh, uh, the me the the I forget his name. I think it's Mar- is it Martin Meeks, Smith, uh, the Mindy's brother, the other twin. Yeah, he, he was actually supposed to die, but they brought him back in, in like afterwards, and that's very reminiscent of what they did with Dewey, what Wes Craven did with Dewey. Like Dewey yep. was supposed to die in the first movie, but then he's on the sh- he's on the stretcher, and and then you you see him in that, and it's like so. There's a lot of parallels. Um, I wouldn't. I would. I hope that Scream Six is slightly more original. You know, like I feel like you have to do this to kind of, like I said, pass the torch to the new cast, and then Scream Six hopefully will take on a uh, identity of its own to an extent. Well, Neff Campbell has gone on record saying she would come back um, again. So I hope they, they can't kill Nev. I think, I think, I think, I think keeping Sydney alive is is a true testament of just willpower and strength and determination, right. almost like uh, Laurie Strode to an extent. I know she 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 apparently died <laughs> in one Halloween. They did kill her in Resurrection, and she, and now there's alternate timelines. But I I, I think the fact that Nev and uh, Sydney have never gone through that really, I think it's I think it's something important to see a heroine or a hero always come through at the end and uh, I think that, I think Sydney living is a huge part at some point I think Gail's going to get murdered <laughs> yeah I, that's who I thought they would get rid of going into this one I did think that Gail would be the one uh, that got killed but she doesn't if, spoiler everyone she doesn't get killed like we said Dewey's the one who bites it um, pretty gory scene too like his death was pretty damn <laughs> double knife <laughs> yeah that was I'm, a pretty it, it kind of, it didn't irk me as much as uh, Randy's death. Randy's death still bothers me. I still haven't gotten over that. But Dewey's death almost see fitting, and and then when he goes, it's an honor. I was like, that's kind of cool. Like there there are certain things. I mean, I remember I was talking to a buddy of mine, and I was like, if they kill Sydney, I'll be upset. But if Dewey dies, I'll be fine. <laughs> and that's exactly what. Happened, so. Yeah, I think most people feel like you feel about Sydney. I don't. I don't feel they could kill her off. Um, I don't know what role she can have going forward. Like they've kind of done everything they can do with her character now at this point. Murder mentor. I don't. So yeah, like I don't know. She's written books. She's. I mean, she's done all of this stuff already. She was a crisis counselor. I mm-hmm. mean, <laughs> she's done all of this. All of this stuff. Where could you go with the character? I just. Uh, I kind of hope the the Billy Loomis visions. It, while it was nice to bring back Skeet Ulrich, it was a, it was a nice little moment. I, I hope it's kind of toned down because it kind of felt a little bit of jump in the show. I thought – I didn't see it as her seeing him. I thought that's how they portrayed it. I always looked at it. Well, she's seeing – like it's in her mind. She's thinking these things 
Yeah, I don't think yeah, you're right. Like, I don't think it's a little funky though. Yeah, but you're right. Like, it's it is weird to see him of oh, standing there, and it kind of, it does take you out of it a little bit of the it's scene. A little awkward because, like, again, he he is her father, but he was probably he was killed before she was born, right? Like, right. she has no recollection of him. So it's like, how does she even know what he looked like when he was going around killing these people? Like, yeah, and I'm and, sure. And, like, I'm sure his mother, her mother wasn't talking glowingly about (laughs) like your dad. Maybe she is. Maybe she's part of the thing. Who knows? Maybe that's the next film. There you go. I I already wrote the next movie. Maybe that's why she never came back. Maybe she orchestrated this whole thing. Yeah. See, who knows? And that's going to be the next one. It's just going to be her and Sydney fighting. No, I'm kidding. Fighting. I'm totally joking. Well, it'll be her and Sam. Right. But I just meant Sydney because they're both the same age, right? Maybe. So I figured throw that in but so guys if you haven't seen scream 5 or scream 2022 however you want to call it i've seen it both ways for us like for pete and i since we we grew up on scream the scream movies it's scream 5 but if you're new to the franchise it's scream 2022 um so if you haven't seen it yet obviously go check it out um it is a good it's a very good movie i really enjoyed it uh, and it was like I said for us, the older guys, it was cool to the nostalgia points, and for the new people who watch it, the young cast is very good. They're very do very good job. So go guys, go and check that out. So moving right along, um, we've got some casting news to go through. So let's just run these down really quickly. Uh, yesterday we got news that Jason Momoa will be retur- will sorry will be joining the Fast and Furious Ten cast now. When I saw this, I immediately thought of the recent article. We, I think we, we, I think we even talked about this on the show, where Dwayne Johnson said he wouldn't be going back. Vin Diesel put out the olive branch. He was like, "Yes, come back to do the final show," and he was like, kind of like, "No, that's not going to happen." And then now we get Momoa, who's kind of a big, hulky, same type of character. They just went to the gym and picked the next big buff guy, right? Like that seems what that kind of like what they did. Uh, I love this franchise. It's one of my favorite franchises just because it's so outrageous. It knows what it is. It plays in its own sandbox and it just does things that you expect. It, every film takes it to the next level. Like the last one, they went into space in a car. Like, <laughs> like It was just crazy. I didn't even watch it. But that's what they do. Like they do those things and they just make it more and more outrageous. So I think it's cool Momoa is um, joining the cast. Obviously, everyone like everyone was talking about making the connection between Aquaman and Fast and the Furious. <laughs> so, uh, you know, someone I forget who it was. Someone tweeted out um, the plot of the movie is Vin, D- Vin Diesel goes to Atlantis and. You know, Jason Momoa is bad. He tells the people the Atlanteans were all family because that's the big through line in the Fast and the Furious franchise. So he does that. Like, there's been a lot of cool things to see. So, Pete, as not being a fan of the franchise, or not as big as I, I don't think you're as big a fan of it as I am. No, I pretty much stopped after two Tokyo Drift around there. Okay. Um, so, will you would does this bring you in to watching it? Would you because Momoa's in it? Does that add something? I have to watch Hobbs and Shaw. I know you okay. liked it, and I, I like The Rock, and I like Statham, and I like Idris, so I have to get get a, get a viewing of that in. Oh, it's um, ridiculous, but it's it's fun. I, I I like Momoa. I might give it a shot, but it, I got to see a trailer first because it's just and I lo- and I know Sh- they say Charlize Theron's coming in uh, coming back as well. Yeah, uh, I'm a big fan of hers as well. So I'll I, I might give it a chance, but like they might have gone a little bit too far for my personal taste. So that's just me. <laughs> 
I no, love that, trust me. The was great. And the second one, I think, is underrated a little bit. I don't think people give it enough credit. I actually do dig the second one. But, no, um, you're right. They definitely have gone too far. But that's what this, like I said before, that's what they do. This franchise is about keep it up. You know, going. And it's working. They make tons of money. So people are enjoying it. You know, you're not the only one who's digging this movie. There's a reason why this movie has like, I don't know, 10 sequels at this point, right? Yeah, this will be the, for they're making, this will be the 10th one. So I yeah, guess. so that's kind of crazy. It oh, works. it is crazy. Uh, and that, like I said, when you look at some of the actors that have been in this, or like, like we said, Charlie's Theron, Academy Award winner, Helen Mirren, Academy Award winner, mm-hmm. um, you know, they, they do get, really good actors to come in and play in this in this world they've created and uh it's a lot it's just a very very fun franchise and adding momoa to it is just another fun actor to throw into the mix um i can't wait to see what they what they come up with uh with this with him with adding him to it it doesn't really say the kind of role he's going to be in they just said he's been added um i don't know um any it's any details on the plot so i really don't have any kind of way to go with what is casting and who he's going to be i'm assuming he's going to be a villain of sorts but i have no idea has he um, ever played a villain momoa it depends what you call cal drogo on no i guess he wasn't really a villain on game of thrones i don't know i That'd mean be interesting to see him as a bad guy yeah it, it would it would show a little depth um because let's be honest, he kind of plays the same role in a lot of the movies that he does. So, uh, he pretty much plays Momoa. Yeah, so it would be cool if they gave him a little something to work with where they could show a little bit of depth. Um, I know that's funny too. He's Aquaman. I'm saying depth. Uh, haha. But <laughs> but uh, well, you're Aquaman. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, yes. He's a much he's a much more imposing Aquaman than me, though. Let's let's give him let's give him Has his he ever a polar bear. Oh, that's true. That's true. That is a good point. So. All right, so let's let's move to a little bit more uh, more casting, which we also came out yesterday. And Pete likes to call this Eric stuff, so we'll throw this in the my stuff category. Um, there's been a rumored Masters of the Universe film for years now. Uh, development hell. It's been motion picture. It's been Netflix. It's been uh, who? Where's it going to show up? It's definitely going to be on Netflix now, and. Noah Centineo originally was going to play Prince Adam, He Man, mm-hmm. um, but when he dropped out of it, they had to recast him, and now they cast Kyle Allen, who was recently in West Side Story, um, and he will be taking the helm of Prince Adam and He Man uh, whenever this movie is <laughs> made. <laughs> um, again, I will believe it when I see it. Uh, this is I know you guys always used to say that to me with the Flash movie that we're getting. Um, so for me, with this film, I'm going to say the same thing. I will believe it when I see it. Um, it's cool that they're casting people. Um, Does this casting get you excited, though? Because I, I, be, I feel like you were excited for the other guy, too. I mean, I don't you know. excited for the movie? I've only, I've only seen him in West Side Story. Like, I haven't seen okay. – and I just saw that. So I don't know much about his – his his body of work. Mm. Um, I'm just happy that I'm still hearing stuff about a He-Man movie being made. So the more that you hear, and you're saying, okay, well, the project's not completely dead. Um, and I guess that's kind of where I'm at right now. So, well, uh, I mean, He-Man would be a huge nostalgic character to come back, right? I mean, like we're still in the heart of this nostalgia movement. So I, I feel like this this property has to be a, a thing that has to be made at this point, to be honest with you. No, I agree. I think like, Friday the 13th need to be remade at some point. 
I agree with you. Like, I definitely agree that this is one of those 80s titles that was huge, um, a huge cartoon. It was big toy line. Um, and we've got, like, we've gotten Transformers movies. We've gotten G.I. Joe movies. A recent animated series. Right. And yes, this um, Master of the Universe has been redone. Kevin Smith obviously recently doing The Revelation, uh, which is kind of a reboot-ish of, of He-Man. So it, it's going to be awesome to see some kind of live action. I'm assuming it's going to be in like, obviously not as graphic, but something like in the, in the mold of Conan or something like that where you have these... Um, with these characters, T- He-Man, Tila, Man-at-Arms. Do you um, think Dolph needs to make an appearance in this movie? Well, someone mentioned that he should be Prince Ran- um, King Randor. Uh, oh, that'd be cool. So, yeah. So, I think that would be a cool little nod to have him uh, in that in that role. Uh, but, yeah, I'm just – again, I'm glad they cast somebody now that we have another He-Man. Uh, and we'll see where it goes. We'll just see where it goes. Well, I'm um, very excited for you. <laughs> for me you and garrett i'm very yes safe. garrett of course uh i even corrected the facebook page you said it was eric stuff i said no we gotta throw garrett's name in there too uh so yeah we're we're the he-man guys we're looking forward to this you to have this the film. power <laughs> oh pete pete with the puns here we go sorry zeddy pete gets puns every once in a while too so there we go. Uh, all right. So more casting news. Now, we're both excited to see what's going to happen with the Batgirl movie that we've heard oh, so much baby. about. Right? So yeah. then Ivory Aquino is going to be – was added to the cast. She will play Barbara's best friend, Alicia Yeo. And she is the first trans character uh, to ever be in a DC film. So I do not know anything about Ivory Aquino. Um so I don't either Um, I'm just excited that they're still you know they're casting the the movie's being made Um, I'm excited to see the dynamic between uh, uh, Leslie Grace and uh, what what is her name Alicia Alicia I'm excited to see uh, what they come up with in storylines and whatnot and just it's cool that it's going to be cool because you know most of the time we're used to kind of superheroes almost being loners Whereas, you know, like Batman doesn't have a best friend, right? Like he has Robin, but that doesn't really count until later on. Right. And this is an older Batman. I mean, you know, if you're paying attention, you don't know. Maybe there is a sidekick running around. Um, I'm interested to see, like, it'd be cool to see a, a best friend dynamic in a superhero movie. We got a little bit of like that with Ned, um, but, you know, they're, they're still kind of kids. And uh, that that the, it seems like Leslie and uh, and she, she will be a little bit older, maybe kind of, let's say, college-ish. And uh, we got a little bit of that in No Way Home anyway. But it's cool. I kind of like that. And, like, I was a big fan. And, like, while I can be critical of MCU Spider-Man, I think the Ned Peter stuff was really good. So and uh, that's something that's very kind of Spider-Man oriented, whether is again MCU Ned, Raimi, uh, 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 Franco, which played uh, Harry. So it'd be cool to see it happen with another character. So I'm interested to see. Uh, I got to look up and see if she comes from a, a character in the source material. That's what I was going to ask you if you knew if she came from a. I got to look it up. It might be. Uh, I don't know if that happened in Gale's run. I want to say it happened in maybe. Uh, they, they seem to be pulling a lot from Burnside. I got to go back and look at Burnside. I know she's had a couple – Barb has had a couple roommates and stuff. So we'll see what it was. Uh, that was actually more Rebirth. Um, but I, I'm digging it. I can't wait to see what happens. I just – you know, I'm trying to stay away from leaks and I'm trying to stay away from spoilers. So this was in a trade and I dug in. I'm just – I'm cool. Uh, I can't wait. And I'm just I'm just pumped. I'm just – I'm just so excited for Batgirl. I just am. Like I'm really excited for this movie. And Yeah. I mean it's, it's another – like again, uh, we know that they're filming. We've – 
uh, recently J.K. Simmons sent a picture from Scotland uh, where they're filming mm-hmm. um, when they started filming. So like we know that this thing is being shot um, and started filming and then we have more characters being added. So they're definitely behind this, which is awesome. Um, and yeah, I mean, like I said, I think a couple podcasts ago, you know, Batgirl was something we heard about as a joke kind of um, with to cover the Whedon doing Justice League thing. And now here we are. We're actually getting a, uh, <laughs> we're actually yep. getting an actual movie. So this is awesome. And congratulations to um, Ivory Aquino for getting this role, man. Hope I hope you kill it. Whatever. Yeah, I don't know anything about the character, but yeah, I hope you kill it. Looking forward to it. All right. So our last bit of casting news is is a, would be more Eric stuff. So we'll go back to my stuff. Uh, so as people know, the Star Wars has been really successful with their Disney plus shows, obviously the Mandalorian. And now of course we have um, the book of Boba Fett, which I've been hit or miss on, but this last episode wasn't fantastic. So I'm looking, I'm hoping that the finale, which is the next one uh, really, really um, brings it home. But we also got word back at the investors call last year that they were going to be doing an Ahsoka series for Ahsoka Tano, who obviously is the very popular character from the Star Wars Clone Wars show. So Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who obviously our DC fans will know, played Huntress in Birds of Prey, will be joining the cast of Ahsoka. Mm. Uh, It doesn't really say what role she's playing. Things are kept under wraps. Yep, it's kind of quiet about it. But it also, this article is in in THR, by the way, also reminds us that Hayden Christensen is coming back playing Anakin in this series as well. Oh, we know how excited Eric is for that. (laughs) That's a different topic for a different time. That's Um, for the Rick Shue show. Yeah, that's for the Rick Shue show. If we do a Star Wars, I'll go go in on that one. And I watched all those movies for Eric too, so we are going to do a Star Wars show at some point. Yeah, we'll we'll do do one, because I I talked to Nico about it too for a while about doing a Star Wars show, so we should just take episode one kicks ass. All get together. Uh, Yeah, you'd be you'd be. um, I although I do like that movie parts of that movie. You definitely you like it more than most people. So you would be awesome. You'd be the champion for episode one more more than the rest of us. Uh, But yeah, this obviously this show takes place um, five years after the events of Return of the Jedi. So, um. It's po- it's a really long str- it's in the Mandalorian verse, I guess. <laughs> if you want to put it there. Uh it's in that same time frame. As we also know, we're getting the Obi-Wan show, which um Hayden Christensen will be returning there as well. He's a busy so, man. Yeah. So there's a lot of a lot of Star Wars stuff going on, but Winstead I think is a very talented actress. I loved I liked her as the Huntress in in Birds of Prey. I love that movie. I wish it did a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm looking forward to see what she's going to do and what she's going to bring and the character she's going to play uh, going forward. So Pete, when you hear about these actors being named to these shows, even though you're not a big fan, do any of them like bring you in and say, "Okay, I'll give that a watch"? Or uh, I'm probably not going to watch this. Okay, I probably you know, but uh, uh, Winstead, Winstead, I think Winstead, I'm, Winstead, I'm, yeah, Winstead, fantastic actress. Again, I loved her as Huntress. She's always in movies, and I'm like, oh my god, she's in this, and she's yeah. in that, and like, and everything she's in, I do like. Um, but you know, I'm just not the biggest Star Wars guy. But I think it's great for the show. Um, I'm sure Nico's going to be ecstatic for this. <laughs> and uh, you know, you know, you can't get you can't go wrong with great casting, and that's what this is. It's just great casting, and you know, I'm still mad that Rosario Dawson kind of snubbed us at Comic Con and just. <laughs> so 
uh, you know, I'm a little bummed out about that. That wasn't cool, but uh, you know, we'll see. I hope you guys enjoy the show at least more than Boba Fett because I feel like no one's enjoying Boba Fett. <laughs> it's funny. Be- it's funny being uh, the guy without a horse in this race. I'm just sitting here watching. Just watch this. Yeah. yeah, and I'm just like, oh, just post my gif of Boba T. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I I do love that. So. If we could go, Pete, when things, you know, we get to see each other again, maybe we'll go grab some boba tea because <laughs> I do love, <laughs> I do love that. I am a big fan. And it's not, look, I don't hate the show. I just don't think Morrison, the actor who plays Boba Fett, is a good, good enough actor to lead a show. And that's one of the big problems I have with it overall. Like this last episode was just really an episode of The Mandalorian that they threw into the season. And it's incredible. It's a great episode it has a lot of throwbacks to the to the um prequels mm-hmm. um there's the bd1 character from um fallen order from jedi mm-hmm. from um jedi the, the sorry the video game fallen order he's mm-hmm. in it so they're connecting the video game world to it too like there's a lot of things in this in this show with um again easter eggs and just it being another mandalorian but reno our friend reno we talked about the show and he even said he goes eric Pedro Pascal is wearing a mask and he has more personality than Morrison does. Who's not wearing a mask. Like it kind of is. And he's right. It kind of does have that feeling. Uh, so Wasn't he, uh, Boba Fett's dad. He was Django. Was yes. He played okay. Django Fett. Yeah. Okay. So that's why they brought him in to play Boba Fett. Like it makes sense. They're clones. They all look the same. So it makes sense to bring him back, but he, I just don't think he's a strong enough actor to lead the show. So that's my opinion. That, you know what? Like hearing you talk, it make it reminds me of Batwoman and how since Ruby Rose has yeah, left Batwoman and Javisha Leslie has taken over the reins, the show has gotten so much better because you have a lead who can actually act. So, yeah. I mean, that's fair. I, again, I don't watch Batwoman. <laughs> I don't watch it religiously, but I did watch, I think I watched the first two episodes of her first when she first came on, so it was last she's season. So much better. She so she is a lot better. Yes, she yeah. she's she emotes. She has feelings. She like can you can tell. Yeah, like there's <laughs> the things actors are supposed to do. She does well. So yes, and she's only better in the role. I definitely can see that. I definitely can see that. Um, who knows, Pete? Maybe I'll watch it. I don't know. I think you should. I, we'll I, dude, I did a review for Batman on film on the last episode, episode 10, Toxic. I gave it an A. I think it's the, the most emotionally uh, weighted episode they've ever uh, wrote. Um, I think the writers have done a fantastic job in Batwoman this year. Um, everyone except for Marcus Jett. That is the one character that they can't seem to get a hold of. I, I wish they would have just killed off that character a long time ago, but it looks like he's going to be the Joker. But we'll see what happens. All right. Can't so everything. I know, I know. So let's 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 stay in um, the Disney verse, the Disney universe. But we're gonna move. Let's switch a little bit to Marvel, to the MCU. So as we know, uh, Sam Raimi is directing Doctor Strange Two, um, Multiverse of Madness, um, and he recently in an article on Variety he spoke about seeing Spider-Man no, Spider-Man no Way Home and he, how he said it was great to see um, Alfred Molina come back and Willem Dafoe and Tobey Maguire and all that. And then they asked him about the current state of Doctor Strange and where it was at. 
And this is what he says. So I quote, I wish I knew the answer to that question. Raimi said, responding to the question of whether the movie was complete. I think we're done, but we just cut everything. We're just starting to test the picture and we'll find out if there's anything that's got to be picked up. If something's unclear or another improvement I can make in the short amount of time left, I'll do it. One thing I know about the Marvel team is they won't stop. They'll keep pushing it until it's as close to being great as it could. So, Pete... First of all, it was kind of cool to see his comments about um, about Spider-Man No Way Home and seeing mm-hmm. all the old characters that he brought into this universe come back. Which um, were most of the characters in the movie. Yes, you're right. <laughs> most of the characters in the movie, you're right. So, But on the Doctor Strange side of things, what did you think of that answer? Do you think uh, – I think it's a totally fine answer because if you listen to our – we did two episodes of Casey Walsh and I can't remember which one it was. But he even said like – I think it was one of the Avengers movies where like the final cut of the movie arrived at like the premiere. Yeah. Like they, work, they work on these until literally the last minute. Yeah. So I understand why some people be like, oh, no, it's not finished. They don't know what they're doing. They're going to do a reason. Like it's – calm down. This is part of the movie making process. And, you know, we live in an age now where we know how not only the sausage is made, but we know how it's, we know everything that happens in the butchering process. Yep. So we know way more about this stuff than we ever did. So just calm down, let these people who are the professionals do what they got to do. And I'm, I trust Sam Raimi as someone who doesn't really enjoy Dr. Strange one. I'm really looking forward to this because of Sam Raimi. And, uh, you know, and just going back to the first part of what you said, hearing him just talk about, his guys and seeing them back, which it just kind of warms my heart because everyone knows how special those movies are to me. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, Sandman, <laughs> uh, Goblin, Doc Ock, and Toby Peter. It, to see them all back was just very, especially in that movie, was great. You know, I'm glad Sam liked it too. He, he uh, He's, you know, without him, we probably don't get here. If Spider-Man 1 is not as successful as it is, uh, we probably don't even get Spider-Man 2. And, you know, and then it's, yes. we probably wish we didn't get Spider-Man 3. <laughs> those without movies, Spider-Man 1, we're not here. Those movies are so important in the comic book movie um, history. Like they're very mm-hmm. important films. So yeah, even though for me, they haven't aged as well. They're a little bit more cheesy now to me. Which than I think it's crazy. What, than they were when I first saw them. I'm also older. So I think that's part of it. But, Old man, look at my <laughs> but um, I still appreciate them. I still enjoy the first two very much. Uh, and you know, they're very important in the, in the comic book movie history. So, and hit the fact that he brought them to us, I will always, always be indebted to him for that. Cause mm-hmm. after Batman and Superman, um, Spider-Man was always the next logical movie, like character, comic book character that you would think, okay, they'll get a film. And when they, these movies came out, they were phenomenal. So mm-hmm. it's awesome to hear Sam, I, like you said too, about the Dr. Strange stuff. When I first heard about it, I said, relax people. It's not, it, it's reshoots are common. These happen all the time. Um, and the fact that he's kind of saying, I wish I knew how to answer that uh, makes me think that they're close to being done, but it's close to being done, but there's still stuff they're trying to figure out. Uh, so that's fine. You know, whatever. And I've seen interviews with Cumberbatch too, talking about it and, so uh, relax, guys. I think I think we'll be fine. I think if you're waiting for that film, I think I'll be we'll be fine. So speaking of No Way Home, uh, Pete Hammond of Deadline did a Zoom interview with all of our Spider Men, with Tom Holland, Tobey Maguire, and Andrew Garfield, and it was kind of the I think it was the first time they've all been together mm-hmm. to talk about it. 
Um, and it was, I'm not going to read into go into all the quotes and stuff. You guys want to watch it. You can, uh, but it was cool to hear Garfield talk about how, why he came back. And he's like, well, if I had to hear if Toby was coming back, if Toby was coming back, then I would yeah. come back. And, um, how they all kind of said they, they only came back to is if, because it was important to the story they were telling for Holland's Peter Parker. Like they didn't want it just to be them coming back to do this because, Oh, Hey, look they're all three of them are here. Um, and I thought that was cool because they could have, Marvel could have done that just for the, the button, the money, right. They could have done it to just say, Oh, we're bringing all of them back. Haha, look, this is mm-hmm. great fun, but they do serve the story. And the fact that the actors were so serious about that being important, it comes out here. And uh, that was the thing I took away from it the most, that they all kind of wanted to just service, serve this story of, of Peter Parker. So what about you, Pete? What did you take most from the... Oh, man, there were so many good things. Uh, just And it's not necessarily like about the movie. It's more or less like how it kind of got made and how like Amy calls, Amy Pascal calls Toby McGuire and is like, hey, we want to talk to you. You know what it's about? And he's like, I have no idea what it's about. You know, it's funny things like that. Right. Putting on the suit for the first time and, you know, Toby's like, it's it's kind of a hassle to get it on, but once you put it on, he's like, I'm instantly thrown back into this character because of the suit and you hear how excited Andrew was and how tall. It, it really seems like every Spider-Man who has come has been a fan of the Spider-Man before him and it, it just the amount of energy and positivity and excitement coming from their voice. I mean, Andrew, I mean, the guy is just a human sunbeam. Like you, you can't help but watch an interview with this man. And it just brings a smile to your face because he's such a passionate actor uh, about everything that he does. And to hear them just being like, I'm a fan of this, I'm a fan of that. And they're so supportive of each other. And it kind of comes through in the movie because like you said, the two the two past Spider-Man come back to support the current Spider-Man. And right. Andrew said something very interesting where this is kind of Holland Spider-Man's or origin story in his third movie and it's like yeah and as someone who didn't really enjoy far from home no way home really kind of just carries me and, and really captivated me while i have a few gripes with it like i do any movie you know right. even like you know i just completely write a few things for screen like it's fine to accept everything not everything is, is is perfection like the godfather or jaws but you know it, it's just it was cool it's such a wonderful interview and how excited they were and just to be there and you could tell they just had fun and to hear them talk about like when and they were the three of them were together and Tom looks and is like this scene doesn't work but then John Watts is like this is it that was great and it's like he shows them on like the yeah. private monitor or whatever and it's like oh they get it because like COVID restrictions and everything they did a lot of green screen they you know like it, they just they were very limited in how many people could be around so just and it's a wonderful feat and I know, know we criticize John Watts a lot uh, you know saying that you know he's kind of been hijacked it kind of it kind of proves the kind of director he is in these circumstances as every director has uh, recently to kind of pull off these amazing feats with these uh, limited amount of people they could be around. Like, I'm sure these these movies are used to having hundreds and hundreds of people on hand to help make them and create them, and now they're very limited. But it was just great to see the three of them interact and talk, and it just it's a wonderful half hour. Uh, on I think it's on the Spider Man YouTube channel. Um, it's on our it's on our SOG Facebook pages and Twitter feeds. So. If you do a little scrolling, you can find it. I, I highly recommend you taking the half hour to watch that. It was just wonderful. Yeah, I loved I loved um, Garfield talking about um, Tom Holland's Spider Man because he he you could tell he really did watch the first two films and he really did enjoy mm-hmm. 
the Peter Parker, at least like, we might not have enjoyed every bit of it, but it seems like he really did. Yeah. And um, that he was... He might be the biggest fan of Spider-Man out of the three of them. Yeah, he might be. You're right. He was very, very much... Uh, his parts were the best parts of this of this interview for me. Yeah. Um, but they do... Um, he is... They do ask Tom Holland again about if this was the end of his Peter Parker. And he's basically saying that, I don't know, uh, which is what he's been saying the whole time. The cool thing he did say was he's he's not ready to say goodbye to Spider-Man. So that it kind of leaves the door open. Sounds like Mickey's got to write a check, kids. Right? Yeah. It's kind of, I think there's some kind of. Let's back hassle. up that brake truck, boys. Yeah, there's some kind of hassle going on with contract because it's clear, like he says, I'll be fine if I don't play him again. I told the story I needed to tell, but I'm not done. I'm not ready to say goodbye. So we'll see what, how this goes on in the future. But guys, this is a fantastic, fantastic interview. Like Pete said, you can find it on our pages, on our sites. Just go and look at it and and enjoy, and then let us know what you think because I enjoyed, I really enjoyed watching this. It was a lot, a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So now we're gonna go to let's let's bounce back to DC and let's talk about the gun. What I call the gun, James Gun universe. Now <laughs> I, call, I call it the James Gun takeover. Like I right? really taking over the brand. Like this dude. So first of all, let's start with this. Let's let's clap and give praise and shout out to James Gunn and the Peacemaker cast and crew because it is the highest reviewed DCEU project ever including any movie that came out, anything. This is the highest – and that includes Wonder Woman, which we all love, the first I Wonder believe Woman. TV-wise, it's second to only Doom Patrol, yes. ratings-wise. And I think it's much deserved. Um, it's I, brilliant. It is. It knows – like we always say this with gun stuff, but he knows what he's doing and these shows know what they are. And he just stays in that lane and he's so talented with the things he could just pull out and get people to do and bring out and the writing. And it's such an incredibly well he done show. The character that yeah. I, I loved to hate, like I hated Peacemaker, but like I didn't despise the, you know, the interpretation, but it's like in the movie, he's not a good guy. You don't like him in the movie. No, you don't. But now I'm sympathetic for him. Yeah. But now I'm enjoying him. Like I, it, it, that's good writing. He's totally made me flip the script on this guy. And, uh, I, you know, Brock. Bravo. I'm, I'm excited. Um, they're, they're talking about you know sequels to Suicide Squad. They're talking about more spinoffs from the Suicide Squad. Right. Uh, so James Gunn's going to be here for a while. I think he's he's going to be bouncing back. Uh, well, he's going to do his Guardians three, and then he's going to come back to DC. I guess. I think they're doing Guardians three right now, and I'm excited. I, I look forward to Guardians three. I didn't like Guardians two. Uh, we both agree on that. Yeah, I did. The not first like one though, we we both think is one of the, one of the top CBMs of all time. Uh, so you know, you know, every director makes a movie you don't like. It's fine. It's totally acceptable, depending on what certain people say. <laughs> it so not, not everyone makes a masterpiece, right? The the I mean, not to go too much on two, but I, it just seemed very jumbled. That movie is very, very all over yeah. the place for me. Um, a little bit. And I and I and I think part of it is after the first one, we all had such high expectations, and it just wasn't. It just wasn't good. So, but yeah, I like this more. I like the stuff that DC's allowing him to do because I kind of like the James Gunn raunchy humor. Yeah, sometimes he goes a little too far, but I'm going to say like 90 percent of the time I'm really into it and I laugh. Like when his father was talking about uh, rice noodles <laughs> to Detective Song, and he goes, "Less carbohydrates, it's better than the Wops." And like as an Italian, I laughed and I laughed out loud. I 
thought that was an amazing line. You know, I thought that was hysterical. So like, I can laugh when someone makes fun of me as well. Yeah, um, man. Like, and I was into it. Like, it, it's crazy. It's crazy how good that show is. Everyone from uh, John Cena to Robert Patrick to you know even Judo Man. <laughs> like everyone just Judo nailed Vigilante. The they're yeah, all, oh, he's he's great. It, it's just a fun show. Yeah, it really life. is. I love her and you know, yeah, and you know what? It is definitely one of those escapism shows, right? Like you mm-hmm. definitely get taken out of whatever problem you're having if you're watching this. You should you should enjoy yourself and laugh. Even someone like Diebeard, I thought he was great. Yes, especially in episode five when he comes to save the day. I thought that was fantastic. Yep. Yeah, and he's, he's done that twice now. He's almost the hero of the series. I know he has been the unsung hero twice yeah. of the series. Yeah, and you saw a little bit of the softer side of Harcourt this last episode. Um, so it kind of starts your gears turning. Like, well, what's going on there? Like, who is she really? Um, the stuff with yeah, the the conversation between Peacemaker and oh god, what's her name? Um. Amanda Waller's daughter. What's her name on the show? Uh, Adebayo. Yeah, Adebayo. Yeah, the conversation they have uh, on the couch. That's great. Like even before when they went in the car. Yeah. He's like, she's like, you're not going to try to come in and have sex with me, are you? And he's, he's like, well, my penis is a is a lesbian. So yeah, like, that's what like, she said to him, right? Like, you so on some, your dick is a lesbian type thing. And yeah. <laughs> she goes, like, what? And he goes, well, technically it is, but you know. <laughs> It's it is. It's very very. It's some so of it is so on the nose, but you laugh anyway. It's so so good. So yeah, shout out to James Gunn. Like you said, they're going to be. Um, there are more spinoff shows. There's definitely. It sounds like going to be a season two, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, biggest show in the world right now. It's. Who would it's, you want to spin off from from the Suicide Squad next? I think we talked about this on a previous show, but I think you brought up the whole Deadshot Bloodsport type thing. If they could do something mm-hmm. like that, apparently Idris, Idris and Har- and Harley, Idris and Margot, and we know Margot wants to take a break, are so booked that okay. you know, trades are saying it's impossible. Yeah, almost impossible. Nothing's impossible, but it's very hard for them to come back and do spinoff shows. Uh, and we know everyone loves Ratcatcher Two. She was a big emotional part of that movie, so a Ratcatcher Two King Shark show might be worth it i mean i'd love to see sly back mm-hmm. i thought he was great as as king shark and yeah with only the few words that he actually spoke um i don't know if hbo max is going to do uh something like that i mean i imagine bringing king shark to life is very expensive uh we'll see but that that would be interesting i'm trying to think i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't be opposed to just picking somebody well, you know weasel didn't die yeah, Weasel, right. Weasel could come back. That's interesting. It's, I don't know how you could do a show about a guy who doesn't speak English, uh, not English, but doesn't speak at all. Right. <laughs> like he doesn't speak any language as far as I'm concerned, right? Like I don't think he spoke at all. And uh, is TDK dead? Do we know for sure? I don't think he died. Right. I actually think he's alive. I think he's the secret, but they keep like saying that we saw Thought die, but he didn't die. Mm-hmm. I would. I love Nathan Fillion, so if they could get him to do this kind of a show, I think it'd be awesome. Um, Maybe they could bring Jai Courtney back. I don't know. Stranger things have happened. Right. Or even Polka Dot back. Like, uh, I know yeah, he got. That would be fun. That you know? would be interesting. But maybe maybe they could say, like, the he got squashed, but the Polka Dots kind of kept him alive. I don't maybe. know. You know, I mean, no one stays dead in comic books anyway. So I know. What's the matter? Or he could do a prequel. Like, he could do. You could do something like that. I wouldn't yeah. be. I, whatever James Gunn has in, uh, in, up his sleeve. Yes. How's that? Like, I agree. You know, I could speculate all I want. I don't know what he's going to do, but like, whatever he does come up with, I'm going to tune into. Yep. I agree. And you brought up that 
uh, we have Guardians 3 coming up and Gunn made it official that this is the last time we're going to see this specific group of the Guardians of the Galaxy. So I'm assuming someone dies or a bunch, a couple of them die. I really hope they don't kill Gamora again. She already died. Do we have to kill her again? Like, um, I don't know, but so, I kind of am like at this point, you know, like, okay, let's free him up for every DC property. We can get a hand <laughs> on. You know, he's, he's made a ton of Marvel movies and he's, he kind of wrote the guardian stuff. And I think the last two Avengers films. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, we know so that a heavy hand, we know that Adam Warlock's getting introduced in mm-hmm. guardians three. Um, and he's a big character. He was a big character actually in the infinity gauntlet story, but he wasn't included there. So they're bringing him in now. So I don't know what that's going to be going forward. Um, but we'll see. I just, you know, I, I, they were such, this was such a surprise hit for Marvel in a lot of ways that it's going to be sad seeing someone go, but you know, yeah, Gunn I mean, does like to kill people off. So, I mean, watch Velcro experiment, right? Um, so yeah. here we go. So we'll see. So, uh, but I'm all in. Like whatever he's, whatever his name is attached to, I usually, uh, I usually watch. Like uh, ever since I saw Slither back in the day, I think it was like '04. I've been, a, I've been a big fan of his, and you know, and eventually I later on found out he wrote Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead. So I, I've liked yeah. pretty much everything James Gunn has done, except for Guardians Two. I think that's a pretty good track record for me. Yes. All right. So we have one more thing, then we're going to go get into the Batman a little bit. Uh, so let, let's do this real quick. Uh, more, the You liked Mortal Kombat, right? Uh, it was okay. I can't say I really enjoyed it, but it was yeah. like, it's better than, it's better than the second one they made. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't a huge fan. Um, outside of the the Scorpion Sub Zero battles, which I thought were very good, I really didn't care about the movie at all. The new but, character I despised. Yeah, I like he was, it wasn't good. But that does not stop things, as we know. Uh, Fantastic Four being an example, <laughs> the first, the original one. Uh, we got a second one of that, and we are getting a second one of Mortal Kombat. And Jeremy Slater, who wrote was the head writer on Moon Knight, will be penning the Mortal Kombat two sequel. So. I can't really get excited for this until I see Moon Knight. If Moon Knight kicks ass, this will really make me more excited for this Mortal Kombat sequel. Yeah. Uh, as of right now, it's I'm kind of like, eh, it's it's you know, it's it's a video game movie and traditionally they're not they haven't been great. The original Mortal Kombat from 95 is great. Sonic the Hedgehog has dethroned that as the greatest com- uh, comic book, the greatest video game movie of all time now. Um, if you talk to Ryan Haas, it is Super Mario Brothers. So <laughs> <laughs> depending on who you're speaking to, I just uh, this is not gonna get me excited until I see a trailer that really, you know, pumps me up. Yeah, I I don't know. Like stick can we get a tournament this time? <laughs> like, uh, really? Yeah, I felt like they set it up for that in the next movie, so oh, we'll see. But I'm with you. Barely you barely see Shang Tsung in the in the other one. I'm sorry, we discussed this when the movie came out. <laughs> I'm not going to go back there. But we it's always been my tonight. favorite fighting game, and the fact that the movies have been less than stellar, besides the first one, um, yeah, it's kind of sad. So, I mean, I, I love Virtua Fighter. I love a Virtua Fighter movie, but that's never going to happen. Yeah, that's never going to happen. <laughs> you can just forget that. At least we got Street Fighter, though, right? <laughs> yes, which is oh god, man, that movie is so of its time. 
Um, how I said the Spider-Man movies were gut cheesy. That one now is even cheesier than it was when it came out. <laughs> I totally disagree with you on Spider-Man, but uh, I will agree with you on Spider-Man. No, totally different kinds of cheese. Like Spider-Man <laughs> is cheese that is good cheese. It's like a very nice sharp cheddar. Gorgonzola. <laughs> <laughs> like um, Mortal Kombat. I mean, uh, Street Fighter cheese is like mold. Yes, I'm mean, not talking about like, blue cheese either. <laughs> yeah, like. Two day old blue cheese, cheese like that's that's pretty much how. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, but you know what? This this is weird talking about mold and stuff now. But <laughs> spores, molds, and fungus. Yeah. <laughs> well, we know you don't want spores, molds, and fungus down there, right? We never want that kind of situation going on with our balls. So we know that Valentine's Day is coming, and as you guys know, we are sponsored by Manscaped. So it's Valentine's Day is just around the corner. And Manscaped is here and has your best tools to get your balls ready for the special occasion. This V-Day, it's time to join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming, with our exclusive offer. As you know, you guys go to manscaped.com, use code GOTHAM, and you get 20% off and free shipping. Uh, man, this – I got recently got new products from them. Uh, mm-hmm. I got the shampoo. Ooh. Uh, the body wash, and then they sent me a three-pack. They have lip balm, um, which for Valentine's Day, hey, might come in handy. You don't want to go to lay one on. Handy. Right? Yeah. You don't want to go lay one on your significant other and have chapped lips. That's never uh, – uh, Valentine's Day is basically the Manscaped holiday because lip balm, <laughs> so you don't have chapped lips. Um, you want to maintain everything down under both parties because you want to have a fun evening after dinner. Exactly. So I would imagine that uh, Manscaped is your one-stop shop for a very happy Valentine's Day. Yes, and and don't forget that, guys, now, like I said, they have a, a body wash, they have a shampoo, they have lip balm. They also have a, a cologne um, with the signature scent. So if you guys have the, the scent, all of the stuff, the body wash, the shampoo, it all smells, has that same kind of scent, which is mm-hmm. very, very nice, very nice, soft, but strong. It's a very masculine, I'd call it, scent. Um, yeah. And now they have a cologne that you guys can get too, so – you know, I make still sure- love the crop preserver. That's still my favorite. I bought an yes. extra bottle. So, so make sure really make sure your Valentine's Day date, whether it be your wife, significant other, girlfriend, whoever it is, make sure they say, "Wow, you have a great set of balls down there," because that's what you want. That'll be a plus, and I'm sure that would mean the night's going very, very well. <laughs> So again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code Gotham at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code Gotham. Join Cupid and shoot your arrow with Manscaped this Valentine's Day. Well, I am sure that Bruce Wayne uses Manscaped products. Uh, You know, you don't date Silver St. Cloud unless you're uh, well-groomed. Right. So, uh, as we said, we're going to talk a little bit about the Batman now. Uh, It's getting closer and closer. We are, what, six weeks away? I am 33 days away from gumbo. (laughs) Yes, that is true. Uh, For us, for Pete, me and Pete, and and our friend, our group of friends, it's going to be an extra fun time in Dallas because we some of us have never met even though we talk all the time <laughs> so this will be the first time we're meeting some of our our bat our bat boyfriend I, group I've met everyone in person except for Lauer and Garrett yeah me too I've met Haas in person he's he's he spent some time and as of you we did comic-con together so we, yeah. have, we have met Haas so yeah I think Lauer and Garrett are the two people that we yeah. haven't met and that'll be fun 
And it is fun, like I said, because you have been on the Batman book club how many times? I'm the uh, the once a month co-host, <laughs> right? So, so you have dealt, you talk to him, and you're on his stuff, and you've yet he to meet him. Which is, me a great deal. He's a wonderful human being. Yes, he's awesome. They're all great guys. Uh, it's one of the best things that this that this that this whole thing has done. I think was except we, for Justin, he's an antagonist. <laughs> uh, but we love him anyway. We love him anyway. So it's just awesome. It's just awesome that we're all going to be getting together uh, for that for that weekend and to see this movie that uh we've been waiting for for a long time um and know who else has been it seems to be waiting a long time for it matt reeves himself the director who uh, in a couple of articles in esquire there's actually what is a uk article and there's one in from the middle east um and they have some of similar information you guys can read them on our sites or pick them up on our twitter handles or facebook uh check it out there but um one of the key things these articles bring up is the original script that we know Ben Affleck had written. Mm-hmm. And Reeves talks about it specifically, and this is what he says. So when he was first asked to bring in, the studio had Affleck's script, and they would wanted him to do this one. And he said he, Ben Affleck had been working on a version of the script. And I said, here's the thing. I respect that the DC Universe has become an extended universe, and all the movies were kind of connected. But another Batman film, it shouldn't have to carry the weight of connecting the characters from all of those other movies. I didn't want them in there. Now it's it's kind of a cool little thing in, inside the mind because I remember when he first was being rumored. Originally, he walked away from the project. Yeah, and then whatever happened, we still don't know like what that conversation was. But then we heard, okay, he's back and he's doing it. So clearly, as we know, Warner Brothers relented and they get let him do his movie. Um, but I think like I've we've talked offline about this. I think I would have really enjoyed the uh the affleck version of the script um i'm sure i would have right like it yeah. has it says specifically that it has um it had other the the other characters that are popping up from in from the other dc movies and um you know that was affleck script and it had affleck stayed on the project we would have gotten that film but i would never force a creative to do someone else's work and uh, I think that's what Reeves was basically saying. Like he said, I respect that this was a take, but if I'm going to do this, I have to do it my way. Yeah, and he did say, he said, this is a legitimate take. He said, this, yes. is, a, this is a good script. He said, it's very action oriented, um, which, you know, I love action movies. So like, I'm sure I would have liked it. I love Ben Affleck's writing. Um, it does seem that Warner Brothers was trying to make a date here. They were like, we have this script. We have an actor. We just, and our actor was going to direct it. He's now not going to, we need someone to fill his shoes. Um, you know, I, I've also heard at times that, you know, when Affleck walked away, they were going to do the Jake Gyllenhaal rumors were, you know, Gyllenhaal was going to fill in for Affleck. He was going to be the Val Kilmer to his Keaton. Right. And, uh, you know, and while Gyllenhaal is a fantastic actor in his own right, I have to agree with you that letting Matt Reeves do the movie he wanted, do it, telling the story he wanted, doing it his way, in his style and his aesthetic, I think that's the way to go because you saw what they did when they tried to make the Joss Whedon, Zack Snyder Justice League, right? Like yep. we kind of had, we kind of saw what that type of Frankenstein esque creation looks like when you have two totally different styles. Like Reeves movies and Affleck's movies aren't the same. So if you're if if it's being written by Affleck and shot by Reeves, it might look a little jarring, and it might do the film, it might do the script a disservice, you know. 
So I'm glad that Reeves is doing what he wants. I'm sorry Affleck did not make his movie. I I wanted Affleck to make his movie. We all championed it, but it it didn't happen. Um, It is a little funny to me, though, like how so many people are like, oh, we don't want DC to be like Marvel. We want them to be original. But then like when you hear about how many cameos are going to be in this Affleck movie, that sounds very MCU to me. So in a way, you kind of got what you wanted. Right. So. Right. No, you're right. Like the, the... The world building is something Marvel does very well and has done in most of their films. So if that was going to happen in Affleck's Batman, then yes, it would have been very similar to what Marvel has done um, with their universe. And look, like you said, we all – I think all of us have been very vocal. Ben Affleck is is, as the Batman character. He's my favorite one. Um, He just is the most physically imposing uh, version of the character. Yep. He has the look that – Obviously, the Miller suit I love. So, like all of that, I would better for that novel, huh? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So all of that, obviously, I wanted um to see again, and I would I would sign up to still see it again. But let's be honest, he doesn't want to do it. He's going to be bowing out after the Flash, and however they handle that, um, he's not obviously not going to be around after that. And you know what? Let's all move on. This take. Uh, as we know, it's it's based a little bit on year one. We've heard Ego, those storylines. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, what movies did he mention? He mentioned Taxi Driver. Yep. He mentioned French Connection. Uh, French Connection. Chinatown. Which which is interesting because, like, I mean, the detective stuff, I think, of Chinatown. But I'm like, French Connection, where does that fit in? And just it makes you, you know, like, you see all these crazy lists people make on Twitter. The prerequisite movies you have to watch before Ben Affleck, uh, ben Affleck <laughs> yeah. before uh, Matt Reeves, the Batman. It's like, what do these movies have? To, like, why don't you watch the movies that Matt Reeves said inspired the movies? Why don't I have to watch these 20 films? Like, why do I need to watch Batman Forever to watch Reeves as the Batman? Right, you know, like, it doesn't make sense, but um, whatever. Like, you watch whatever you want to watch. I just, I like making you know, like yeah, things. yeah. So, I mean, the article is go- definitely gets more in depth. Reeves has been doing a lot of stuff lately, obviously, to promote the movie. So, there's been many different pieces done on him. We talked about one on the last show where we like we took we talked specifically about how he took from the '70s time period and how that was big a big influence. He mentions obviously Nirvana in this. Um, yeah, you know, of Kurt Cobain, and he mentions there's a parallel there. Um, so, like, there's a lot of good information in this, and of course, he mentioned Pattinson and how Pattinson tied in and why he wanted him. And um, Pattinson might be the Andrew Garfield, and this is to be seen, yeah. but it seems that Pattinson is the biggest fan of Batman that has been cast in the role. Uh, Affleck is a comic book fan. I always thought Affleck was more of a daredevil guy. Like I know that's that was the first comic movie, but he seemed to yeah. read me. He seems to be a bit more of a bigger daredevil fan. But like everyone's a Batman fan, but like it almost seems that Pattinson rivals Garfield's passion for the character they're playing. And uh, I think that's I think that's very interesting. Like just have someone who essentially is a fan and Reeves as well. Like he might be the biggest fan to have ever directed um, a Batman f- movie. Uh, Snyder was a huge fan as well. He he seemed to really hearken on to that uh, Frank Miller version specifically. But you know. Reeves has really been a, a, a. It's crazy how Reeves has kind of manipulated Batman sixty six into this. So, it's a good time to have someone who's very passionate about the character behind the lens and in front of the lens. So, I think we're in, in for a real treat with these two. 
Yeah, I do too. Um, I really do. The more I keep, the more I read about the influences, because I think those are very, very key um, to the story we're going to get. And then I look, I watch the trailers, and you kind of definitely get the kind of the vibe um, that this film is giving, and what it's going to be, uh, the time period it's going to take place in, and everything that goes uh, goes with the specific noir style of film that Reeves does, and he's going to be doing with this. Um, I'm more interested in it now than I ever was before. Um, and that's good that it ha- it's happening. And again, like I said, we have six weeks until the movie actually comes out. And we all know what I'm looking forward to. Oh, yes. Yes. Ozzy. He's back, baby. He's back. <laughs> I pre-ordered my Oswald figure last night. I sent Derek a screenshot. He did. I'm he so did, excited. Guys. Yep. And he got a Catwoman, too, without the mask. He got that one as well. I don't buy unmasked figures, but there's something about Zoe's Catwoman that just, I'm just so, I'm, I'm in love. <laughs> yeah, she, she's 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 easy on the eyes. I'll say that. She's oh, very... I can't wait to see her. I love her her look with the lifted mask, and it's just, I'm, I'm so excited. I bought a, what did I buy? Uh, I bought Oswald, I bought Catwoman, the unmasked Catwoman, and uh, the Gorshin Riddler. I, that's the one. Uh, yeah, the Gorshin, yeah, that was the third one you said, so, yeah. You know, I, I, you know, I already have the Reeves Riddler, now I need the Gorshin Riddler. So I, I'm very excited. I'm very excited. Yeah, I am too. Uh, so, guys, you can read these articles again. We have we post Pete posts everything that we talk about on the show, so you guys can go back and read them and more. We there's also stuff in there that we don't talk about that's there. So yeah, not everything makes every show that we do the following week. So it might be the following one, but we try and get everything in there. The goal of our social media handles for Straight to Gotham is to create the ultimate fanboy news feeds uh, source. You know, we, we're not writing the articles, but we want to share it with all of you. So I, we try to just flood your timelines as many articles from Hollywood Reporter, Collider, Deadline, The Wrap, all that stuff, all the legitimate trades. Yeah. We definitely want you guys to circle back with us as well. Um, mm-hmm. Like when you read this stuff or you listen to the show and then you have opinions on stuff we said um we Even definitely like agree we want yeah. you guys to not agree the, yes. you know like if we all agree on everything it just becomes an echo chamber and you know i think disagreement creates wonderful conversation Yes. There's even a couple of topics we had on the rundown for this show that we're not going to be talking about. We'll just hold them off to the next one. So um, you guys can look out for those uh, on the next episode, episode 64, which should be next week. Uh, we've been pretty good recently, Pete, doing them every week. So <laughs> we have to have to keep it up uh, for our fans because I, I do it. And I do love when people ask, send me a message and say, hey, we haven't heard from you guys in a while. In a while. What's going on? Um, that's I well, love that stuff because then it's like oh they miss us so ever since Liver King went big Eric's been in the gym and uh, <laughs> he's been eating raw spleen so he's gonna try to become spleen king oh dude I need to do something again I because of, I had had some guys I had some health stuff going on and I kind of put my workout routine on the back burner so I have to start picking up again well if you uh, believe in like supports like you know if you have a bad heart eats the heart of a healthy animal like Liver King says and you'll be fine. <laughs> Pete, I'm sorry. That's just crazy. Uh, I can't. I, uh, I can't subscribe to the Liver King's way of life. But I think. I think you know. Look, we talk about Manscaped a lot on this show. You know, they do great products for your balls. If you're having trouble with your balls, eat some raw bull testicle, like Liver King says, and it should help you out. Well, yeah. I, well, that too. That's been something that has been around for centuries. Um, All right. See, so it's not that crazy. The, the Chinese historically had. Um, bull testicles as a eat would eat bull testicles as a aphrodisiac uh so there you go there you go guys if you want to be the champion of your state <laughs> you know what i'm not gonna say whether i ever did that but hey 
There you I, go. I'll be, hey, I will. I've always said this. I've never tried Rocky Mountain oysters, but I do want to. I'm curious. I like food. I, I like trying to. Have, I've eaten jellyfish. I didn't like it, but it, I, I had to try it. I saw it. I saw it on the menu at a. I believe it was a, a Japanese restaurant, and I tried some jellyfish, and it was. Uh, it was it was it was weird. <laughs> yeah, the first time. Yeah, the first time I had escargot was weird too. I uh, liked escargot. I like it, but it was weird. Um, it was a weird consistency at first, but I do like it now. So, uh, we'll see. But guys, as you can see, Pete wants to eat animal testicles. So if if I. No. Uh, look, I'm a big Liver King fan. So, uh, I'm, <laughs> if I'm you guys, if you guys have any ins or know a connection connection to get some, hit Pete up on his. Go There's ahead, Pete, market down the street from me. I'm just going to go ah. there. That and Carnivore MD, he's a good uh, raw organs eater as well. He's uh, so I, I'm a big fan of these uh, guys who eat raw. Organs. Well, if you Pete, know what you need to do since you did for the the for Batman on film, you said you did the video for the Batman Calzone for Little Caesars. I'll eat bat testicles. There you go. Do the do one another video. <laughs> Put that up there. <laughs> of eating those. How big is the liver of a bat? <laughs> oh, it can't be that big. It's got to be smaller than chicken liver. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it is. All right, man. So now that people have have even further can eat, pull further behind the curtain of what idiots we are, go ahead and tell them where they can get at you. You can follow me on social media. That's Twitter, Instagram, and Zach Snyder's favorite platform, Vero at Pete Illustrated. Follow the podcast. Follow podcast number one, the podcast you're listening to now, Straight Out of Gotham at Straight underscore O underscore G on both Instagram and Twitter. We also have a Facebook group and a Facebook fan page. We brought them up earlier. They're news feeds, so check them out. Everything you want is posted there. Check out at Team Yellow Oval as we're getting excited for the return of the Oval in the Flash movie as well as in the upcoming Batgirl movie. Keaton's back and he's going to give some beating, so that's a good time. Check out my reviews of Bat. Woman, uh, the Little Caesars Calzone, Detective Comics on Batman on Film proper. Uh, check out my tour reviews as well as my Calzone review on Batman on Film YouTube. I got interviews with Michael Uslan as well. And uh, check out podcast number two, the Italian Spider Man Coalition podcast that I co host with Sausage and Meatball. That's Nick and Nico Caruso at Italians for Spidey. That is a fun show. We're going to get, we missed this month, but we're going to get you next month. And we're just, we're looking forward to it. Nico's got a lot of things to say about uh, Homecoming. We're going to talk about that in our next show as well as uh, Spider man beyond so it'd be a good time so eric you're up all right guys as you know you can hit me up on twitter at finally 33 spell finale 33 also the same on instagram pete already mentioned all our facebook stuff uh i also want to let my nick fans out there know who listen to the show if there are any of you i will be starting a new york knicks podcast with a couple of guys who i'm friends with from another group that's gonna um, be depressing <laughs> yeah, it's definitely going to be more of a therapy type of show than, uh, than anything else I've done. But uh, I am a big fan of the New York Knicks, and they continue to disappoint me, as do the New York Jets. And that's it right now. The Islanders and, and Yankees kind of are okay right now. So The Yankees uh, disappoint me. Even yeah, that's true. That's true. So, guys, look out for that. I will be promoting it a little bit more as time goes on. Um, but definitely look out for that coming forward. Um and keep keep an eye on our show and stuff. We we kind of I kind of want to do some more of the live stream stuff that we've kind of fallen off on. So um, we haven't done an iceberg lounge in a while. So that some of those are going to be coming up because I feel like with the Batman coming up, it's a really good opportunity to get everyone together. We'll try to get Colin Farrell. Yeah, we'll try and get, we'll try and get some of the actors from the movie Colin Farrell. <laughs> I don't think we'll be able to get our Pats, but maybe like um, what's his name. <laughs> Who's the actor? Maybe Dano will come. Maybe we can get Dano to come on. Is it Dano? I thought it was Dano. Dano, Dano, whatever. I don't know. Maybe we can get him to come on in character, which would be even more awesome. But we'll 
I'm totally joking. None of this is ever going to happen. <laughs> we'll be lucky to get Gotham PD officer number five. <laughs> uh, we'll get Zay Chun, Pete's favorite favorite writer. I, okay. I would really be interested in interviewing Zay Chun. All That's right. Maybe, you know what? We should hit him up on Twitter. We'll make that happen. We'll make that happen. All right. All right. I have lots of questions for him. Yes. Oh, I'm, I know you do. I know you have lots of questions for him. <laughs> Uh, all right. Oh, there's something else, but I'll talk about it off air. So let's let's put a wrap on this one. So for Peter Vera, I'm Eric Coleman. You are listening to Straight Out of Gotham, and we will see you next time. Booyah!